Hey everyone, what is up and welcome back to another episode of the Lifestyle Lifter Show. I'm your host, your online transformation coach, Adrian McDonald, here to help you look, feel and perform better without restrictive dieting. And today I interviewed Alistair Hart. For anyone who doesn't know Alistair, he's a pro fitness model and five-time world champion. He's a founder of Body Image Gym in Cork, and he's also a car enthusiast in his spare time and just an all-around gentleman and an absolute character. Really, really great guy. And on today's episode, we speak about a number of different things, including so Alistair's experience taking drugs from the age of 15 and not even sitting the junior cert. Um, the moment Alistair decided then to go sober and stop drinking alcohol and what and why he had that aha or epiphany moment, what that looked like for him. Alistair then describes his journey into fitness from being scrawny and skinny to becoming a fitness addict and becoming obsessed. And this obsession literally led him to become a five-time world champion in pro fitness models. Alistair then, during the lockdown, he describes how he kind of lost the love and and the growth that he once had for bodybuilding when the gym shut down and has moved towards something you probably haven't heard of before, primal living. Okay, interesting Alistair's perspective of that towards the end of the show. And then we finish on advice for anyone who attaches all of their identity to their image and how they look in the mirror. So a lot of this actually is more so focused on the mindset side of things as opposed to the training, the nutrition, the calories and so on. And I think anyone listening, We'll learn a lot from this, just from Alistair's perspective on life, what he's been through and his approach to dealing with difficult circumstances. If you do get value from the show, first of all, I just want to thank you to all my listeners taking your time out of your day, whether you were driving on the way to work, maybe you're in the gym, maybe you're out for a walk, maybe you're cooking, maybe you're cleaning. But I'm looking at my analytics and looking at my metrics week to week, month to month. And there's more subscribers, more listeners every single week. So just thank you to everyone who takes time out of their day to listen to this podcast and episode. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed so far. And just I really appreciate everyone who's sending me DMs on Instagram at Mac Lifestyle, MC Lifestyle Fitness. Let me know that you enjoy the show, that you listen to the show. Honestly, it means a lot to me. So I really do appreciate all of my listeners. And if you do get value from this show, the only thing I'll ask is you share it with a friend or you tag me and you tag Alistair on Instagram. So Alistair's Instagram, I'll link it in the show notes. It's at Alistair Hart. That's A-L-A-S-T-A-I-R underscore Hart. And as I said, I'm at Mac Lifestyle Fitness. That's MC Lifestyle Fitness. And if you're not already doing so, I would appreciate if you subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform. It really does massively help this podcast reach and help other people when you subscribe. But without further ado, I really do hope you enjoy this week's episode with Alistair Hart. Hey everyone, what is up and welcome back to another episode of the Lifestyle Lifter Show. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Alistair Hart. Alistair is a pro fitness model and five-time world champion. He's a founder of Body Image Gym in Cork, and he's also a car enthusiast in his spare time. Alistair, welcome for welcome to the show. Thanks for being here, man. Adrian, thank you very much. Uh, delighted to be on and um, looking forward to it, to be honest with you. I've been looking at your own journey recently as well, and you've you've had a you've you've recently just done a show as well, I see. So um 
you know, I'm looking forward to covering everything from 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 fitness to to whatever you think is appropriate for your listeners. So thanks for having me. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, we, we can definitely talk about the show in the aftermath, actually, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, down the line, Alistair, before we actually start, man, you've been on multiple podcasts. You have your own podcast as well. Share something about yourself that most people do not know. Um, I've lived about five, six, ten lives, I think, in my nearly 43 years on this planet. Um, I so I guess if we if we wind it all the way back to when I was about 16, that's where uh, we, we can even wind it back to primary, I guess, and that's kind of probably pivotally where it went wrong. I went to primary school in quite, quite a rural setting and um, that's uh, I was quite sheltered from, you know, uh, life as such, really. And <clears throat> when I went to secondary school, then all hell broke loose because I was kind of free and, and so on. But I this I, I just didn't go to school a whole pile and I got thrown out of the first school after the first term. I think I went to school 14 days out of the entire September to Christmas term uh, because I was too busy floating around the, the town that I'd never been allowed into and, and so on. And uh, then I was uh, consequently then moved to another school. I was told I was going to go to boarding school and I kind of, um, did, I didn't want to go to boarding school. And I ended up going to a secondary school where you could, it was actually a boarding school for girls, but the any boys that wanted to board, boarded in houses around the, the, the village. So I went gotcha. to, okay. yeah. And that was in that was in Ross Carberry. Again, that only didn't last very long. And I got kicked out before my junior cert. I didn't bother doing half my junior cert. So I have literally I've a failed junior cert. I have no formal um traditional education whatsoever. And wow. everything that I've learned to date is from uh, consumption of audio, audiobooks, multiple lectures. Like even this morning, you know, I, I'm three hours into um, a lecture on a particular subject that I'm that I'm interested in at the moment, and that's how I've educated myself there afterwards. But so with that, I was into when I got kicked out of school early. I was I was delighted because all I wanted to do was go working, and I thought it was great, you know, at at fifteen to be able to go off and just you know earn money you know thought it was brilliant so <clears throat> i went and obviously the people i started to hang around with were a good bit older than me and you know so on and so forth and they were going out and and i was just exposed to a lot of things i guess that i you know shouldn't have been exposed at that age and one thing led to another and i guess always kind of playing up to the, the older crowd um I got involved in uh, got involved in drugs back in the nineties, and this this would have been nineteen ninety six, and uh, the mid nineties. So the drug culture in Ireland back then most certainly isn't what it's like. No, you could count on one hand the amount of people that took drugs in in one rural town in Ireland, sure. and uh, I was one of them. So that kind of uh, got out of control because I ended up selling them as well and sorry, I, sorry to cut across you Alistair, but at what age would you have started taking drugs would that be 15 16 15 yeah at 15 what? um i started i think um i probably had a, a smoke was the first thing that i had and i absolutely hated it 
Uh, it made me feel sick and everything. But every drug I took after that was to put me up, not down. So the drug of choice back then was ecstasy and uh, LSD. I, I took quite a load of LSD when I was 16. And I I stopped taking that because I had so, several really, really bad trips um, because I hadn't a clue what I was taking, you know. So you're in this alternative um, reality, altered state of, of consciousness at 16, not knowing what you're doing at all at all. And it was, a, you know, it was a pretty scary place. Um, whereas the ecstasy then was um, obviously, you know, it's M- MDMA based and that's actually now being used for the treatment of depression because it's it's a love drug. Right. So, you know, I I thought it was great and <laughs> so did everybody else around me. And the um, but anyway, consequently, as I said, it was very easy to see who was taking drugs, very easy to see who, who was selling drugs. And I got uh, caught when I was 17 and I was arrested and all the rest of it. And I was um, charged with possession with intent to supply. I went through um, a rehabilitation program with Arbor House in Cork when I was 17. Um, but the papers for me actually getting charged and arrested for the um, sale and supply of drugs were served to me when I was 18. So I could be tried as an adult. Wow. And that was a really um frightening experience to be honest uh to go into to go into a courtroom knowing that you're being tried as an adult and knowing at the time um that I was caught with you know um, a considerable amount of money and ecstasy and this was so this was 97 and the you may or may not know this um maybe your, your listeners may or may not know this but in 1995, there was a, a few deaths in the UK from really strong ecstasy tablets. And there was one girl in particular called Leah Betts. And she um, she died. She took, an ex- she took an ecstasy tablet in a club in Essex called Raquel's. It's very famous, the Essex boys and all of that gangland stuff. That's all kind of in a, focused in and around that as well. Um, so ecstasy at this point now had become, you know, they, people, the 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 guards and the police in the UK and it was everybody wanted you know to get rid of it because it was killing people and 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 so on so it was anyone selling it consequently was you know was oh, was, wow. was bad Not news yeah you know um I as I described to people I was the I was the kid you really didn't want your kids hanging around with because I was you know I was I was I was name. uh I got the name and yeah so I went to court and we we're in and out of treatment centers um, for uh, over a year and a half. And eventually um, I had done so much time in in treatment that I was I was put on probation because I'd seen they'd seen that, you know, by um, by the reports from the treatment centers that I was now clean and that I had, you know, I changed my life and I had as well. But I kind of hermitized myself. I, you know, I, I was working for my dad in in um in the motor industry, staying at you know coming home in the evening, staying at home, isolating myself. Uh, and my 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 girlfriend when I was sixteen, she would you know come back and stay with us a couple of nights a week or whatever. She um she's consequently then is you know is the mother of my children as well. And she stood by me through all of it. Never took a drug in her life, <laughs> and it, it it was very strange, you know, to 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 get through all of that and she always remained the same 
But um, we moved. We moved out when we were twenty, and we got our own place. We got married when we were twenty-two, and when we'd moved out, obviously, you know, I thought that I had a handle on things again, and we started to socialize and go out. When we started to socialize and go out, I started drinking because I didn't really drink in my in my teen years. It didn't really. It wasn't something that bothered me too much. Like I was just all I wanted was drugs, and. Um, Obviously, to to go out and socialize in my twenties, it meant drinking. And when I was drink, when I when I started drinking, I <clears throat> couldn't handle my drink that well. <clears throat> Excuse me, couldn't handle my drink that well. So the only way that I knew that I could stay drinking, because obviously I have a, an obsessive stroke addictive personality, the only way I could stay drinking was if I mixed it with coke. As in, as in cocaine, <laughs> not, 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 your, not your coke here. Yeah. Um, so that led down to a really slippery slope of um, you know, days which turned into weekends, which turned into weeks going missing and going on benders and stuff. Um, we had our first son at twenty eight and our second at uh, twenty five and our second son at twenty eight, and the um. My second son was three months old when I'd been missing for about I'd been missing for about five days. And I just I was sitting in a pub one morning, Sunday morning, and I was sitting there on my own because I'd knocked at the back door to get let in and it was early. And I was drinking a pint of Heineken and I was just looking through the the, the window and the sun was shining in. And I just had this light bulb moment then. It was the 13th of December 2009. And I just said, you know, what are you doing? You know, yeah. like it was, just, it was all, it was the most sobering moment ever. And I just, I left the point where it was and I just walked out the door. Uh, I rang Yvonne and I said, look, you know, I surrender, I give up, <laughs> you know, because she'd been looking for me everywhere. Uh, I went home and um, that was the 13th of December. And on the 15th of December, I, I joined the gym. And the rest is the rest then kind of went on from there then, you know. And so was that the last time that was that when you officially stopped drinking? It was, it, was, it was when I officially stopped going missing for weeks on end. Yeah. I I swapped the addiction or the obsession with fitness because I came I, be, I became obsessed. Now I was going in there at like 58 kilos. Like I was, I was super, super scrawny, and I, I went specifically went to this place because I actually wanted to go out there and play rugby. But when I went there on the Tuesday, they were playing rugby, but it was the senior team, and they said, "Look, when you come back on a Friday, the second and the third team trained, then you can train with them." And I was there. I was determined. I needed to do something, um, and the gym was was leased out to another individual and I went in there and the guy that owned the gym or at least the gym was uh is now one of my closest friends you know and he steered me in the in the right direction and we he'd done bodybuilding in the UK previously and uh we started competing and all the rest of it but as regards drinking I I was so obsessed with fitness that it, it didn't really bother me but at Christmas parties and stuff if they said oh you know we're going out we're, we're going out uh, for a drink at Christmas or maybe it was someone's birthday or whatever like that, then I would go out and I would have a drink and but I then have to go looking for Coke then as well. And that kind of I, or nothing. Yeah. And you know, I could see I could see this pattern just emerging. And 
but I had it at, I had it at bay, but it was 2016 when I said, hang on a second, like it's, yeah, it's only once or twice a year, but this is, you can't be doing this. Like, you know, yeah. um, so I haven't literally haven't touched anything since wow. uh, it, it was a centenary. It was the, 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 the yeah, hundred year. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the um, theory, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that was that was it. That that was the last. That was the last night. I, I had four drinks that night and two grams of coke, and that 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 was <laughs> that was my last ever time out. Um, and with that, then I started to change things. Your... Yeah, I started taking seriously because, like, at that point, my eldest son um was six, and he was becoming very impressionable. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I like he wouldn't have seen me drinking prior to that anyway, um, because I said it was only going out, you know, once in a blue moon. But still, at the same time, I had to. I knew that if I was going to be the man that I wanted to be for him and the role model that I wanted to be for him, I had to cut everything out, and I I couldn't be hypocritical in any of what I was saying because. I've such a strong message from my past that I wanted to teach it to my children. So the only way to do that was to come from a place of abstinence and go, no, no, like yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm saying this because I've done it and I've given it up and I've, I've moved on, but they know everything, you know, and, and I've told them the absolute truth. And I've always said, look, you can ask me any single thing you want, but just be careful because you may get hurt by the truth. And I fully believe that 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 door of or that window of you can ask me what you want, like no problem. And and I, you know, I, I'll t- either tell you the truth or if it's advice, I, you know, I will always give a, a for and against and, you know, will formulate what what they think is the best idea based on on on, on the equation that's there. And um it's you know that 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 kind of has 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 served me well so far. Um, what did um, look, what void did drinking or drugs fill for you at the time, Alistair? Was it masking an insecurity? Was it just avoiding reality? I guess what it was, was it that it gave you? It gave me massive confidence, anyway, for sure. Yeah. and I didn't realize how how messed up mentally I was uh, until I became sober and I think so many people get lost in I can't wait for the weekend you kind of need to ask yourself why you can't wait for the weekend you know because like if you can't wait for the weekend do you really enjoy being hedonistic that much or are you you can't deal with what's going on between your two ears but you know that you won't think about it at the weekend because you'll be non-compensamentous you'll be somewhere else you know and you'll have you'll have a couple of days break from the demons and i didn't i didn't know this and 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 i i guess as as time has unfolded and the more literature i consume and the more work i do it myself that i figure out that potentially all the trauma from having problems in primary school um, to right the way through to all my disruptive behavior in secondary school and a couple of bits of, like my, my, my home life, you know, my, my mother was amazing. I mean, she, she did an amazing job with me and 
it's absolutely fantastic job. She did her fulfilled her role a hundred percent. Um, but I didn't get to spend a massive amount of time with with my dad. Um, I guess he's just a bit of an older kind of uh, generation of uh, of of you know old school Irish dads just didn't weren't really emotionally connected to their kids, you know. Yeah. And uh, I was probably I I definitely think that that is a key area. Every 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 man needs a hero, right? You know, and I think it's important that to, to have a man in your life that you look up to and that, that you know, that, that can guide you and all the rest of it. And I think that that bit of discipline was 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 probably missing, you know. So um, but look, it's you know, he did a better he did a better job than his dad did with him. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, I can um, I can definitely relate to that dangerous cycle on a surf just living for the weekend you know wishing your life away monday through friday counting down the days until you can escape reality for whatever the 24 48 hours of the weekend the sunday evening this monday fear back to work on mm. monday dreading getting up and i feel a lot of people potentially even listen to this are in the same or similar cycle honestly where they don't really have any purpose and they're not really working towards anything and as a result it's just escapism through alcohol, through drugs, through a combination of both. For anyone of our listeners out there who might be stuck in that cycle, I mean, what advice would you offer him or her to potentially segue out of it? Well, what I would say is you should really audit yourself on every capacity there is and look at yourself and put yourself as a third person. And if you were looking down on that person saying, you see that avatar over there? Okay, I want you to look at that person and tell me if you wanted the absolute ultimate best for that individual in this world, what would that look like? And does it is there a direct correlation with the way they're living their life right now? And when you do that and you just remove yourself from just the blinkers ahead and approach the you know the the the, the habitual lifestyle that we have. And you third person yourself and go, what would you want for that person there? This is their circumstances. This is the job they're in. This is the relationship they're in or not. Um, they're, you know, this is their habits around drinking drugs or maybe not looking after themselves and health and fitness, all of that. What would you change if your sole job was making that person the best version of themselves? And I think auditing that third person, but that third person is actually even writing that down versus to okay no how does that directly correlate with where I am in my own life right now you'd be you'd be surprised how much you could change now I'm not saying flick a switch and change everything overnight because we know that that doesn't work but what I what I am saying is if we make incremental changes to our lifestyles just on a weekly basis a daily basis whatever if you're better next week than you were this week at something and you're practicing something right whether it be i'm going to increase my step count i'm going to increase my hydration right but you know that you've so much work to do don't worry about it don't think about all the work you have to do think about the one things break it apart pull one thing in and go i'm going to attend to this this week and i'm going to slowly build a habit around that okay well next week what i'm going to do with that well okay well I, I know I need to make more time for myself. I know I need to start saying no to people or I need to cut negative people out of my life. 
uh, or I need to at least audit who's adding value, uh, who's who's just existing. Who's right? Energy vampire, exactly. Energy yeah. vampires as yeah. well. Look at look at all these people. Do that. Okay, you've got that done. And before long, you you won't be long working through the bet and achieving the road to making yourself a better person. You're never going to get there, by the way. It's a constant road of self-improvement. They all be happy when the win never happens because it always gets moved. You know, I've worked with thousands at this point, thousands of people. Oh, I'll be happy when I lose this. I'll be happy when that. And then we lose this, help them lose this. And they get there. Yeah, but, <laughs> you they know, just see this, just see this bit here, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and like, we're all that way. That's human nature, right? Yeah, it's like 100%. when, when people get richer, yeah, it's the millionaires want to become billionaires. And, they, and, you know, so the comma moves, the decimal point moves, everything moves. Okay, but it's about the journey. The end is coming. That the one thing is, is guaranteed. We're all going to die. So the end is guaranteed anyway, right? But you have to enjoy the journey. That's who you become a lot. I was actually literally just talking about this in a client coaching call I had this week, Alistair, and mm -hmm. I heard a great analogy and I used it with them that imagine two people were climbing Crow Patrick and Reek Sunday. And one person, they brought their own food. They brought all of the bits together and they had to stop for some breaks along the way. The legs started getting heavy. The breathing was getting getting to them. You know, they found it quite challenging. Somebody else, they got a helicopter right from the bottom straight up to the top. Now, the view from the summit, it's the exact same for both, but the journey and how they feel in getting there is completely different. And it's mm -hmm. the exact same as you said with your health, with your fitness. If you're currently not happy with where you're at right now, but you think you'll be happy when you fit into mm -hmm. that dress, you fit into that shirt, you reach your goal weight, you're going to feel the exact same way then as you currently do now. So embracing that journey, Alistair, I absolutely mm -hmm. love that analogy. And seeing as we, we kind of touched on the alcohol, we touched on the drugs, as you said, you almost traded one obsession for another. So you join the gym. I mean, two days later after giving up the alcohol back in 2009, what, what first of all, made you want to join the gym? Why, why was it the gym? Why was it not something else? And then let's just talk about your journey along the way. So it was knowing I needed something so severe, right, so strong that was going to excite me, number one. And loads of people say, oh, yeah, I should really stop drinking. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I should really do this. I should really give up the cigarettes, all this, right? So I smoked I smoked from the age of 12, right, until I was 28, which was 2009. So on the 28th of July, 2009, um, 28th of June, 2009, I gave up the cigarettes and I gave up the drink. Uh, or the going missing was a, and the big sessions in 2009 as well. It was a big pivotal point for me. Um, I guess as well, there's another realisation that the guys, and maybe the, the girls will be interested in this as well, guys tend to mature a lot later than girls. Um, and your prefrontal cortex in your brain isn't fully formed till 25 anyway. So you can't really rationalise decision-making properly till you're over the age of 25 anyway, right? But guys, on paper, with every study that's out there, um, are slower to mature than, mature than females, and females mature... Uh, mentally a lot earlier because of childbirth right and to you know to to, to be a mom and the responsibilities to go with that okay so that's proven so as i was getting closer to 30 obviously these realizations started happening so it's about getting to 
um, a point in your mind where you know you need to change. I knew I needed to change, but I also knew I needed something that was going to drive me and pull me. So, yeah. like I said, it was about it was it was about rugby, and I watched. I was watching. You know, I I I'd become obsessed with with rugby, and I read Ronan O'Gara's book. And it was probably the first book I ever read, believe it or not, and his first autobiography. And I said, right, that's it. I'm going to become a rugby player. And that's it. You know, Roger's my hero and, and all the rest of it. And off I went because I wanted to play rugby. Because what? If we look at that psychologically, right, and let's take that apart. Why? I needed a hero. I needed somebody to look up to. And I had, because I had no one, right? So then I went to the rugby club and that was fine. And, and, and next thing I went to the gym and then Rog, the, believe it or not, he's the guy that owned the gym was called Rog as well, right? Um, so Rog that owned the gym then was like, oh, I just want to be, I want to put on size and I want to be big like him and I want to compete with him and all that. So he became my guiding light. And like I say, the addictive personality came then from the positive feedback that came from, oh, I was watching myself grow. I was sticked in right watching myself grow and i started to respond pretty quickly started to get my food right then people start noticing it and saying oh this that and the other you know and you, you start to feel better anyway number one it's good you know you're bettering yourself and you know you're starting to turn a corner um and but it was really that inner drive of needing something that lit me up inside and gave me excitement it gave me a bit of hope um and gave me like a mentor, you know, and and I, I think as men, especially, especially nowadays, things were very different back then, right? But especially nowadays, like men are ostracized for nearly everything, right? And I think we need, as men, we need to recognize that men need strong men to look up to, you know, uh, and, and that's not toxic by saying that. It's it's almost seen as a sign of weakness, but in reality, it's a it's a sign of strength. Mm. I can um just when you said there, you started seeing the changes in the gym. I will even never forget my own. I I feel like we have a similar enough backstory. Just entering into the mm. gym, maybe the the drug bit aside, but uh, mm. I was scrawny, I was skinny, it came out of insecurity above all else. Alistair, it was just increased my confidence. Didn't really like the way I looked in the mirror wasn't that confident or outgoing as a person. But I remember my first gym session and whether this is true or not, the, the memory I have in my mind is after the session, I saw a vein in my right bicep for the very first time in my life. Mm. And as you said, progress is addictive. And that was like, God, mm. I've never seen myself like this before. And if something is working, why would you not do it? Why would you, why would you stop doing it if, if you like the way it makes you feel? I'm curious mm. then, how did this lead to you? Can you just share your journey now about getting into bodybuilding, competing, and not just competing, but being a pro fitness model and a five-time world champion? You took it to a new level. Yeah, so again, my addictive personality took over. So like, if I go at something, I need to go all in, right? Yeah. And it was, so I joined the gym in 2009. And in 2011, I did my first show. Um, wow, two years two years and i was a like i was a good responder uh i was 100 natural on my first show and 
the guy that owned the gym wanted to to, to do a show as well. And uh, we 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 did it together. He said, look, I've done shows in, in the UK before. I'd love to compete again. I said, well, I'll compete as well. I said, but I don't think I'm big enough. He goes, it, it doesn't matter. Just look, you know, you you you're 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 being good enough shape to do your first show. Yeah. So off off we went anyway, and uh, I did I did the first timer category in the RABBF, and I there was like fifteen of us on the stage, and I think they placed they placed up to eight. It they you know not in a in yeah. an awards yeah. thing, but you could you could check the standings of it, and I placed seventh. Uh, but there was guys there that were monsters out there. How was it their first time? But they should they've been training twenty years. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, you the two and years I, behind you. But sure, I was so naive to the drug culture, and I was so naive, you know, to the to, to the performance enhanced uh, performance enhancing drug culture that I was just there. Oh Jesus! Right, okay, I've loads of work to do here. So back to the drawing board. Went back, put another really good year in in the gym. Went back, did the RABBF uh, again. And um, I placed third in the under 80 kilo category. And I said, right, okay, that's me. The body, the bodybuilding just, bodybuilding in in Ireland didn't really interest me anymore after that show. And I just continued on with my own training and I, I was growing and everything was great and fine. I was just, you know, getting on with it. Still, you know, still loving the gym, still lo- loving the training. And in tw- the end of 2015, a friend of mine in the UK said to me, have you ever thought about competing again? And I said, oh, I'm not interested in going on the bodybuilding route and, and all that. Because I didn't want to be... I didn't want to be bodybuilder, massive bodybuilder, that kind of way, you know. Uh, and he said, why don't you try fitness modeling? And uh, I said, what's the story with that? You know, because I didn't know anything about it. And he was telling me, and he said, look, I'll coach you and we'll do it. And look, you know, we'll we'll see how long it takes. Because I'd done a photo shoot, you see, and he'd seen the pictures of it. And he was there going, if you let me coach you, I can, I can get you in, I can get you in, like, well done, but I can get you in better shape, you know? Uh, so I said, right, okay, cool. So we did that and put in probably a year of, you know, all different strategies, different st- things had changed, things had moved on from the chicken and broccoli then, you know? And yeah, um, yeah. It, it, there was lots of nuances that had, had come into the scene at that stage. People were trying various different things Supplements or whatever. and, yeah. Yeah, just everything, yeah. So I went and I did my first uh amateur fitness modeling show and that was a with miami pro in the uk and i i came second in in that and uh first and second qualified wow. to for, for pro cards in that in that federation but i didn't compete with that federation again but i you know i was i was happy i was i was happy with this and i was enjoyed it and all of that and then i was looking at different federations to compete with and i had a look at pure elite and i said right look i'm going i'll try one of these pure elite shows so i did a pure elite show later on that year and i went in and i did fitness model and i did muscle model as well because i didn't really know i was kind of in the middle of, just what's the what's the difference between fitness model uh, fitness modeling and bodybuilding so okay so fitness modeling is vi- different posing completely different posing so fitness modeling would be like what you'd see on the cover of men's health as opposed to sure. um 
you know, hundred plus kilo guys, you know. So different, different grading criteria. Totally different, yeah. And different within, within, within the fitness modeling federation, you've got uh, you'd have different classes within that. Then, so you'd have yeah. for guys, you'd have fitness model and muscle model. So a fitness model would be somebody who would be, like I say, athletic, lean, muscle bound to a degree, but not overly overly muscular um, and a muscle model would be a little bit more muscular that would be more bodybuilder looking but not massive than a fitness model so there was those two distinctions um, you then have obviously a physique competitor which is a physique competitor um, you know the the the, the board shorts and board the, shorts and yeah yeah and the, the same style of posing with that the fitness model posing was where you have your mandatory poses in bodybuilding and it's all very stiff and very aggressive. Um, the fitness modeling posing was much more of a kind of a, it was a bit more fluidity to, to the posing and, 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 and so on like that. Um, they had a, a thing then was in another category was called the international model. And that was two rounds. And one round would be an underwear round where you, you know, you, you model maybe like, you know, whatever, brand underwear that again all related to would you see that physique and that individual could that person be seen modeling those on a magazine um the other round of it then was a dress wear round where you would see yeah somebody in in um you know something fashionable so on and so forth and three-piece suit or not or whatever so uh, um those kind of things so so you place first and you play second um, I placed second in the first show I did, but when I went to Pure Elite, I did two categories and uh, I played, yeah, I placed first in the muscle model one and I placed second in the fitness model one, which the which gave me then a pro card in that. So this was an amateur show. Now, you're, you're an amateur show in any of in in any of these federations would normally suggest that it's either somebody doing it for their first time somebody using it as an end goal just to go i'm going to compete once and i'm fine i'm happy after that so you had quite a a varied uh, range of people that had maybe competed a couple of times before never got a pro card and wanted to keep going back and to try and go into the pro side of things and so the physiques were there was quite a variation that you would see on the stage in the in the pro uh show you either had to have won your class or if it was a big class, you would have to have come second uh, to gain a pro card to be able to compete with that. So what that meant was that if there was 10 people in the pro class, then the variation between the 10 of them was very little. And it would really be down to the fine lines of yeah. uh, you be, you're graded on your tan, you're graded on your, on your, your, your stage presence, your posing, your, smiling your you know everything there was so much to it and so that was competing as a pro and uh that's where i that's where i won the five the five world titles and was was with uh with purity doing that so i won muscle model fitness model um international model and i that was in that was in one year and i went in and i defended um I defended those three titles the following year, which was 2019. And I did I didn't retain the the fitness model one, but I won the muscle model one because I was just that bit bigger. 
and uh, I retained the international model one then as well. And I, had, I, I did. I was going taking time out then. That was tw- the end of twenty nineteen. I was going taking twenty twenty as a bit of a, a, a bit of a deload, just enjoying my training. And then I was going to go to America to compete with WBFF. And I wanted to go to the Venice Beach one, but then 2020 came and sure everything and changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And before we transition into lockdown and and what happened next, on start, what did what did fitness modeling and embracing on that journey? What did you learn about yourself of just taking things to an extreme level? I knew that I was extremely disciplined. I knew that, like, if I wanted something that, you know, I would stop at nothing to get it. And I don't mean that in a in a malevolent way. Um, I mean it in 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 the way that, like, you know, once I had my heart set on something, I would work work super super hard to get there. And I was ha- happy about discovering that quality. Um, I had. I guess, as as well, you know, getting up on a stage in front of probably not so many people, thousand people in one of the one of the places. Um, get you know, getting rid of those nerves, uh, really massively helped me. In and around that time as well, I, I, I came out more online as well and started talking more online, and I became very, uh, vocal, which helps me speak in one-to-one conversations or it helps me speak in front of people and you know multiple people and 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 so on and so that really really helped as well yeah and it it gave me confidence it gave me confidence it gave me purpose and what it did was when the day of competing as well you know that when there's everyone's there and they're all there for the same thing the level of camaraderie was i was blown away by it you know and i really really liked that but one thing and i would say this and this this is an important thing for for you and anyone that does compete or in any discipline doesn't have to be bodybuilding or fitness modeling or whatever. The last show in 2019, there was something different that day and it wasn't as exciting for me as, as, as the rest of them were. And it was, again, I had one of those sobering moments where I was looking around and going, there's something not right. What's, what's wrong. There's nothing wrong with the people. Everything was still exactly the same. And I was looking, going, I was trying to analyze like, what was it? And the simplest way of putting it is for me, the magic was gone. Yeah. And because you you lost the magic, Alistair, maybe just talk the listeners through what would a day in the life of a pro fitness model have looked like for you back in the day? I would get up at five. I would have gone downstairs and done faster cardio. And uh, then I would have made my first meal. And I would um done bits and pieces, whatever, and then trained in this, all within the morning, we'll say again, eating again, uh, made sure it was when coming in close to competing when you're 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 coming in close to what I was doing like upwards of 30,000 steps a day and you know so you have to get that in and uh, then I was doing uh, another weight session again in the evening and depending upon where where we were at maybe you know maybe some more cardio or trying to get the step count up or, or whatever like that but that would be the run in on it and uh, trying to juggle 
a couple of businesses and the children and all my commitments with that. It's not easy because it's a full time job when when you're when you're going at it like that. And you it's also very, sure, yeah. yeah, it's also very, 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 very selfish sport. Oh, that is something that I discovered. Yeah, it is. So like you're just always in your own head. Yeah. Um. You're always thinking about yourself, your next meal, your next workout, your next walk, your next cardio session. It does become very, very selfish. Um. Mm. And to some degree, isolating. I'm not sure if you found the same, but you know, yeah, well, it, it, yeah, it's it's a hundred percent isolation because, like, if you if you're going to be the best at anything, whether whether it's yeah, whether true. it's competing, like you have to be in the one percent, and if you're in the one yeah. percent. It's like David Goggins says, you have to be uncommon amongst un- uncommon yeah, people. Yeah. You know? Amen and that. it's it from the outside, people looking in, it's you know, this it's it's usually selfish. You it's usually narcissistic to 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 a degree. However, yeah. right? However, it massively helped me. It's it served a great purpose for me. I have some f- great memories from it. Um, my kids have great memories from it. Um, my eldest son used to come to all the shows with me, and he would help with the posing and like you know be watching everything. And and then my youngest son actually came out. There was a routine that I did on one of the shows that I did, and my youngest son came out and did the routine with you know with me. Wow. It was a kind of double act to a piece of music or whatever. So you know we have some very special memories f- from that, and I'm very very grateful for that. For that part of my life and i one thing i would say to anyone is to have um to have an opinion on something you have to have done it and <laughs> you know so but it's it gives it's you a new perspective yeah absolutely it gives you a new perspective absolutely you know? yeah no and what i would say there is even i would have had like people people say are bodybuilders are they really athletes i mean in my opinion, of course, they're athletes, just like and it's it's a different form of athleticism, but they're still practicing the art of doing something to an extreme level. And what it really taught me is like just massive respect for anyone who does that year in, year out. It's a full time fecking job, prepping mm. your meals, getting your cardio in, getting your posing in, your gym sessions. in. there's so much that goes into it. There is mm. so much that goes into it. So real massive respect to anyone who does that. But tell me then, Alistair, so, you know, five-time world champion, then lockdown hits, pandemic hits, gyms are closed. Yeah, what it was... what way did that impact you? It was... It was really, really weird, you know, because um, I just didn't know what to do with myself, you know, because I needed... I could have gone online and potentially done really well. But... I like being physical and I like being I, I like being vocal and I like the interaction with people in real life as well. Right. Yeah. Um so I needed to do something. Now my background, my when I was, you know, working with my dad and all that and all through my twenties was was the motor trade. So I decided, you know what? I've done so many years of just going full tilt, full tilt fitness. I said and now we're closed. I think it was after the first month of lockdown. I was I was there going to myself. Well, why don't I use this time now to actually just you know do something or you know that's non fitness related because like the gym's yeah. going to be open again shortly and all this. 
So one of the gyms that I that I have the one I have here in Clonakilty, and um, they're both warehouse style gyms, so they have a big roller door and all that. So I moved all the gym gear out of where the roller door was, and I pulled the car in, and uh, I restored mm-hmm. the car, uh, put an engine into it, painted it, uh, and then we YouTubed it and, and all of that, and that, and that's that took off really well, and uh, throughout that entire lockdown process which was 11 and a half months we were closed in total between all the different lockdowns combined together. Um, it was, uh, I had worked on that car, but I'd actually worked on 44 other people's cars in that time. Uh, so it's, it was, it's a really, it was a really bizarre time because that's what my default was. I was just, I kind of got lost in working on cars, um, which brought me happiness, I guess, you know, and it, 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 it wound the clock back a bit to happier times, not happier times, but I was able to pull, I was able to pull, pull past memories. Yeah, yeah. 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 And how did lockdown then impact your training? Training, it was so difficult because I was just there, well, what's the point? And I was doing little bits and pieces and it was, I just couldn't, like there was no, obviously the gym being closed, there was no real vibe in it. And I, I know Look, there was there was many gyms operating behind closed doors, but like we're down here in West Cork, and I mean, it's um it, we couldn't do that. We just couldn't take the chance, you know. And um, and nor did I want to take the chance either because it what what was it going to be worth, you know? So, um, the, my training suffered, uh, because my addictive personality took over, and I was working 15, 16 hour days on these cars, and it was just bang, 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 and all I could think about was cars, and. I then started to fall out of love with training and so on. So I started going for walks. I started going outdoors. And I said, you know what? I started thinking about how our ancestors would have lived years ago, what they would have done, how did they keep themselves in great physical shape to you know, be the best possible um, people to, to survive, to be, you know, and we're the end of the bloodline. Uh, and then I was looking at that and I was just thinking about it. And I said, what if I started to talk to people about primal living and I said, what if I was to do something like that, which would, which would be go outdoors, you know, get into the water and get barefoot, do a bit, you know, grounding, uh, get out in nature, just like, you know, running around the place, you know, and, and just adopting the lifestyle of that because we could at the, at the time, because it was not, you know, it was, it was like we were in a dream anyway, because everything, everything was different. So that's how I kind of got back into um, getting myself physically in a better place, at least anyway, and mentally too, you know, massively, massively helped. So can you talk it through then, Alistair, what is, what exactly is primal living? Well, if you think about, if you take away everything modern, and you take yourself back 100 years ago and wherever you are in the world right now and adopt the mindset and the availability of what you 100 years ago would have had, what would that look like? So I live near the, I live near the coast. So uh, we would have had a lot of fish because you'd have, you'd have, you'd have fished yeah. or, you know, you'd have grown your own vegetables and you would have probably eating your own meat no i wasn't going up slaughtering my neighbors uh my neighbors animals or anything like that but you get my point so i was trying to eat like it would have been back then just to see what that would have been like what it would have been like to um to go out and just you know just go roaming around the 
the the the fields and go climbing hills and mountains and stuff like that um potentially you know on the lookout for for food you know and just playing playing around with all of that kind of lifestyle um yeah. and um it's you know it's it's cool in its own right i mean i didn't live at a hundred percent of of in total bear grills or ed stafford going away <laughs> but, but uh but uh, it was it was most certainly better than lifting weights in a gym with no lights on. Tell me this, Alistair. How did how did making that transition from falling out of love with the gym to going down the more primal primal living route? How did your physique change over time? Or did it? Or did it it didn't. It didn't really, you know. Um, it didn't really. If anything, I, if I suppose I probably because I don't train to the intensity that I used to train, and I don't eat the amount I used to eat, uh, and I'm not as strict as I used to be on what I eat and timings and calories and so on. Um, I, I'm not as big as I used to be in 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 muscular sense, but still at the same time. Man, you're um, looking pretty jacked now. <laughs> it's just so it's yeah, hold on to it, bro. It's, it's angles. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it didn't really massively affect me physically, right? But that's just like that's just genetic, that's just my genetical, you know, predisposition. But it definitely, it definitely massively impacted me mentally. Like I can like even if you don't go, you don't have to go running around fields and climbing mountains, right? But getting in cold water and and going barefoot as in and, and practicing grounding and meditation and, and and mindfulness and all of that, I can't tell you the level of insight you get into yourself when you start opening those doors, you know. Okay. Okay, and and just kind of as we wrap things up, Alistair, one thing I heard you speak about on a previous podcast, and it's definitely something that I currently feel challenged with, and I 100% know a lot of my listeners are feeling the same way. What advice would you give to someone who attaches a lot of their identity to how they look? It's a good question. You... If... If there was nobody else on the planet right now, would you be bothered about how you look? Um, the answer to that is probably not. You probably you probably wouldn't be bothered. Okay. Well, then if you are bothered by that identity, who are the who are the people that who are the people that it bothers you the most? um about the way you look and why you want to change and if you <clears throat> i think if you keep asking why to that you'll eventually get back to the to the answer it could be so let's give some examples it could be i want to lose two to three dress sizes because somebody called me fat and i don't want to be i don't want to identify as fat anymore and you know you probably put on a few pounds anyway and that's fine right um but are you only getting there to impress people you don't even like anyway? We we in life go through life buying assets, not even assets, buying material objects 
to impress people we don't even like. And we try to attain a physique for ourselves that we don't enjoy. And we're doing it, we're doing it for the perception of somebody else to look at us. Some of my deepest and darkest, baddest days are when I was in my best physical visual condition when I was competing. I was fucking miserable to the core, but I looked unreal. And that's no way to live. So my advice to anybody is identify why it's upsetting you. Identify has is it coming from within? Is it coming from childhood? Is it from Mary down the road who said something horrible to you four years ago? And and reverse engineer it back from there. And just remember, no one cares. Yeah. You know? Like, there's none of us getting out of this alive, right? The day is going to go by anyway. The sun is going to rise tomorrow anyway. And it's really up to you how you make the most out of each day. And if you're going to perpetually live in a state of fear of how you look to please someone you don't even like, you're living an extremely, extremely miserable existence. And I would urge anyone that boils back down to auditing. And I would audit yourself, as I said, go back to the auditing bit and audit yourself third person. And what would you want for that person to make them the best possible version of themselves they could be? And do you know what happens from that? It's normally the outward visual representation of ourselves is normally how we're feeling inside, right? And if someone is massively overweight, it's probably because they've given up on themselves inside because there's trauma or they're hurt or there's something. There's always a reason. If somebody's in great physical shape, I mean, like super lean bodybuilder type, you know, not bodybuilder, but like super, super lean and they have to go to the gym all the time. There's something wrong inside, yeah. right? Like if some like the the happiest times I've been is when I wasn't worried if I woke up and my six pack wasn't as deep as it was the day before. You know, so for anyone listening to this, stop worrying about the scales, stop worrying about numbers or measurements or anything like that. There's a whole lot of living to be done out there and you need to start waking up and drop the people around you that are making you tear yourself to pieces. Well, that was really powerful, man. Yeah. I am um, even looking back now. So I'm a few weeks post stepping up on stage and naturally enough, my body is primed to put on more body fat than to that, that than to, than to hold it off. But, you're looking back at some photos and you're like, God, yeah, you look super lean. But then I remember leading up to the show, like three nights, three nights up to it, my sleep was terrible. Walking, mm. like walking up to the to the local store, going for a walk, walking up the stairs at night. It mm. felt like I was running a freaking marathon. My legs were like tree trunks. They were that heavy. Yeah, so but even you, you, you're cog- cognitively, you're you're fucked oh, as well. Like, oh, yeah. honestly, I, like outside of the first ninety minutes of the morning, my productivity just went down. Everything went down. So you're kind of looking at the image, but then you're forgetting about the feeling and how you actually felt along the way. And it's part of the process too, as you said. Like to mm. to get that lean, you got to go to that dark place and you got to push yourself. But it's just not attaching everything to how you look and maybe folks on. 
what you can do, how you perform, how you relate to other people, how you're contributing, how you're helping other people, where you're showing up in other areas of your life. Because as you said, it's something I heard Tony Robbins say as well. Your your body's going to change over the years and you're not going to look like how you did in your 20s when you're in your 30s or your 40s. So you just can't be too attached to that because it's always going to be constantly evolving. And that's where there's other parts of your character, your personality will always come in. So mm. that's definitely something that um, I myself am even just uh, coming to terms with because this is new territory for me. But the more people who say it, the likes of yourself, you know, the likes of Brian Kane I'm working with as well. It's just reassuring that, you know, there, there's people out there to help you regardless of of how you're feeling and it's always good to reach out um honest yeah. your man this has been an awesome chat i really really appreciate you you coming on before we do our final fire we i like to finish with five um rapid fire q a questions oh cool. is there is there is there something that you're currently looking forward to at the moment Alistair, that you're working on i had a very unfortunate thing happen recently uh about three weeks ago where i was in the uk and um a van a trailer and a classic car that myself and my son had bought for us to do up to recreate something that i had um 20 years ago a particular car that i had 20 years ago we bought this thing and uh it got robbed everything the whole lot was robbed outside the hotel and that is you know it was unfortunate um and obviously there's a bit of emotion emotional uh, side of things as well you know attached to it because it was something that we we'd spoken about with years to do and all the rest of it so we are trying to build a project at the moment to create um to 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 create money to recuperate the loss on that to to then go forward and 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 get one of these cars again um, so that's what I'm looking forward to at the moment, and that's going to consume. Yeah. Um, so that project, and also, uh, both my my sons are both very different. Um, I I'm going to Belfast next weekend. My eldest son plays for Monster Under 18s, and oh, brilliant! Playing Ulster in the first interprovincial game of the season, and uh, and my youngest son is uh you know we're we're going we're, we've got some stuff planned with him as well so um so they're they're what i'm looking forward to at the minute anyway well first of all look i'm, I'm sorry to hear about the 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 car i mean that is just there's there's people out there now yeah just unfortunately yeah unfortunately yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well well look karma it'll always come back it'll always come back i'm a big believer in what you put in you get back you get out from the universe um honestly we'll finish with our with a rapid fire q a yeah. final five the first one being what's one new habit that you've implemented in the past year getting up at 4 44 a.m 4 yeah <laughs> i love it man i love it um okay when you hear the word successful who is the first person that comes to mind Jordan Peterson. Love Peterson. Unreal. Mm. Unreal. If you could go back 
to when you first started Alistair, mm. what's one piece of advice you'd give to your younger self? Don't be so hard on yourself and stop hanging on to the guilt of yeah. the person you used to be and let go. What do you feel is the most underrated gym exercise that you feel most people should do more of? Opening the front door. <laughs> I'm being honestly, I love it. I, honestly, yeah. just you, being and what I to expand on that. Be consistent. Doesn't matter yeah. what you do when you're in there. Build it, build the habit of going there. Get it done. There's no one magic it. exercise. Only the front yeah. door. Yeah. Brilliant. I've never heard somebody say that. Final question, Alistair. <laughs> What's one question that you wish people asked you more of? Are you happy? Because I could expand on it then. <clears throat> and it would be <clears throat> it would be a meditation then for me to, to meditate on and, uh, and at least ex expand more on it. Hi, how are you? How's it going? You know, everything all right? Cool. Yeah, no, that doesn't cut it. Listen, you are you are you happy? Well define happy. Well, what's happy? And that and that that there's three hours of meditation to go down to there when you start breaking that apart. Because that holds me accountable then, you know. Being aware of your thoughts. Yeah. Alistair, man, this has been amazing. I would also couple that with have you told the truth today? If we, if there's one piece of advice, right? this is the biggest piece of advice I could give and we'll leave it on this number is the biggest thing that set me free is yeah. honest honesty putting my hand up and going I was an absolute degenerate I ruined my marriage I ruined everything I came into contact with and I I'm quite happy to own it and I continue to own it and tell the truth because life is hard and there's two ways of living life you can either live life the hard way or the harder way the hard way is dealing with things up front and the harder way is a lot tougher because it, you're you're pushing it back into the future and it'll if something needs dealing with deal with it today don't leave it till tomorrow because it gets worse Alistair Hart, thank you so much for your time today. No problem, Adrian. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure chatting, and above all else, I just really appreciate, as you alluded to there in the last question, just your honesty. You've been so upright and honest about everything about the drugs in the past, the fitness, um, COVID, the lockdown, your own personal challenges. Haven't heard you speak for anyone who hasn't checked it out on Brian Kane's podcast, on his own podcast. Your episodes, they always bring something different. 
and just thank you so much i i really do appreciate you coming on i love your content i love what you're doing i love following your journey i love following your story and i really do mean that thanks so, thanks so much for your time thank Alistair. You. And, and for yeah. anyone who would like to learn a bit more about you um about what you offer or if anyone needs some support or guidance Alistair, where's the best place to send them? Absolutely. So the my most active platform is probably uh, Instagram uh, at Alistair underscore Hart. You can put it in the show notes if they. Um, yeah, if, if I'll they put have that in there. the show notes for sure. Um, Alistair Hart on YouTube. Lots of different things on there. Um, Alistair Hart on Facebook and um, uh, Body Image that I or the gyms. Um, but yeah, at Alistair underscore Hart on um, Instagram, and I mean that is if anyone. Just drop me a DM. If someone's listened to this and they go, do you know what? I, 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 it might be a stupid question, but I'd love his opinion on this. Drop me a message. No problem. No problem. Awesome. Awesome. Alistair, thanks again for your time. I really enjoyed this chat. Thanks, Adrian.